another weird as hell episode of Movie Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where four friends seek to broaden their cinematic horizons. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and uh, ah, this was just a strange episode today. It's been a strange <laughs> night in general. Sorry if the audio sounds a little different than normal. Joel does all our audio. I, I mean, all of it. We don't really thank him enough. Um, his laptop seems to have died today, tragically, so we, we downloaded some software. We got in our laptop. We're up and running, but... Uh, I guess that just adds to the whole sense of WTF to me. <laughs> uh, I, I am joined by my friends who are hopefully just regular humans and not attached to the boards of my apartment in any way. Uh, Joel Lewis. Howdy. Zeke Perez. Hello. And Tim Gerard. Hi. <laughs> uh, Movie Mumble is a monthly podcast where the four of us get together, watch a film, and then talk about it. And it's just that simple uh, with the idea that we get more out of the experience when we share it with each other. Uh, there are no rules about which film you can pick. You can pick any film. We all take turns. It can be new, old, foreign, domestic, animated, live action, what have you. This month it was Tim's uh, Tim's turn to pick the film. <laughs> and Tim, <laughs> Tim brought us another Aronofsky movie, which if you've been following the podcast, this is now our third. Uh, Mother, this time. His newest film, right? Still mm-hmm. his most recent? Mm-hmm. With Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem, a pretty recent. You might have seen some advertising with how recent it is. So, Tim, um, we'll get on to why you picked this and its connection to you and how you found it and all that in a moment. But for now, we have one more ritual where the movie selector, which is Tim in this case, rolls a die. And depending on how it comes up, uh, either Zeke, Joel, or myself gets to slash has to describe the film we just watched. The die is three-sided. It's got plus, zero, and minus. Uh, Today, zero is Joel. Yes, zero is Joel. Minus is Zeke and plus is Scott, mm-hmm. because Tim is the one selecting. So Tim, if you want to go ahead and roll that for us. All right. Take a listen. <laughs> it is minus. Zeke, who do you want to, to get to or have to <laughs> describe this movie? Uh, You're in the... You have to have. I'm going to roll with... Uh, it's a zany comedy about <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem own a bed and breakfast <laughs> and are joined by a raucous group of visitors uh, who engage in a variety of hijinks throughout the film. I want to see that movie. They decide to host the own party, man. <laughs> and then for the real one, I'm going to delegate it to uh, Does Anyone Want a Nose Goes? Does Anyone Want to? I'll, I'll take it if okay. you. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just enjoy it. So enjoy the description. It's. So it's definitely a horror film. The marketing was spot on on that, I think, in terms of Aronofsky being someone whose films can be hard to market. I think that was dead on. It maintained his typical sort of play with reality, what's true and what isn't in your head thing. But um, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem are married. They're living in this big old house in the middle of some picturesque countryside, no other civilization in sight. He is a struggling writer. And she's just rebuilding the house and trying, just happy with their life together in this or, idyllic are little they? spot. <laughs> um, and the house was, it, it burned down is the thing, is why she has to rebuild it. She's done a pretty great job. And then one day visitors just kind of show up out of nowhere. And uh, Javier Bardem is strangely receptive to them. And she's not happy about these people in the house. And they're awful rude house guests. And, and then just things get weirder and weirder and more intense from there. Um, and there's this constant theme of people in her house who she wants out, and they're in her life, and her husband is not paying enough attention, and the whole thing just kind of descends into chaos and and insanity, and, and kind of Shutter Islandy in terms of the whole what's true and what isn't, and is she really living here, and is she real, and is she not, and um, 
the film whose name I can't remember, which is a horror film, which advertised itself as this woman and kids in a house dealing with ghosts, but then at the end they were the ghosts the whole time. The yes, I think it was the others, Nicole right? Kinda. Yes, that's mm-hmm. the one. And so, like, if you even heard of any of these other films, you're just you're guessing the whole time. Is it the others? Is it Shutter Island? Is it this? Is it that? And he just he keeps you fucking guessing all the way. <laughs> uh, and then because it's an Aronofsky film, the whole film sort of explodes and collapses at the same time at the end, and then it ends. And he says, uh, congratulations, you've been privileged to experience this mindfuck. Okay, there's the exit. <laughs> so there you go. There's <laughs> my description. So Tim... Um, Zany <laughs> comedy. I love it. That was beautiful. Just imagine like yakety sax playing in the background. Um, I was gorgeous. I want someone to recut scenes from this to make it that movie. Yes, because like you know those do that where like they took Home Alone and turned it into like a horror movie yeah. trailer. Yeah. They've done that with stuff. Like I want to see that. With this out. Yeah, yeah. And see the opposite of this. Where does the two of them? Oh, you know, the, and it's like you know, you got the you know, wah wah. Oh, we're here. Oh, here's my underwear. Oh, you know. Like, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I'm honest. So, Tim, to you by Monday. Good. How did this film come into your life, and why did you bring it to us? Um, all and of this. Why did you bring it to us? <laughs> all of this, of course, connects to the other the Aronofsky right. arc yeah. that you've been doing for us. Well, yeah, that's what kind of worked out so great about it. I think. Uh, the other two films on the podcast of his that we watched were Pi and The Fountain, right. by the way. And I think, what was it, when, when we were doing p- the Pi podcast, I think Mother had come out, but I hadn't seen right. it yet, I think is where that was at. Yeah. And then... Yes, because you were talking about picking three of his films to show us his body of work, mm-hmm. and you weren't sure what your third was going to be because you were waiting to see Mother. Right, right. Yeah. And then once I saw it, I was like, this, this is sort of the, yeah. So, so yeah, he's done uh, you know more than these three films, but for me, like these are my three favorites, and I feel like they kind of encapsulate a lot of the um, I don't want to say arrival points because his first film isn't much of an arrival it's his first but it shows you kind of his genesis and then getting to see his progression from Pi pick pick three films to exemplify his body of work sort of thing yeah and um, you know that was one of the things too like I, I I still haven't seen was it Wrestle, the wrestler, and okay. I, th- I feel like there's one other movie that I haven't seen, but I can't remember what it is. And some of his I didn't like as much. Like, like Noah was was I, I've also only seen Noah once. I do want to go back and see it again. But that one was definitely mm-hmm. very like obviously heavy handed on a lot of like religious themes, which I felt he was kind of building to, but I felt like he was almost not comfortable enough with it yet, and it was like way too heavy handed, way like. Uh, too much of just like like hey here is a religious story and it was kind of like okay yeah we get it Um, whereas with this one I feel like he kind of took a lot of those themes and found like a way to tell the story without just being like it's Noah's Ark boom here we are Um, so yeah so this one was definitely that sort of like uh, almost yeah kind of like the fountain was like his arrival as sort of you know who he was as a young filmmaker. And I feel like this was his arrival as who he is as a mature filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> so, so that was, yeah, that was sort of the thing, like you said, Scott. As yeah. soon as I saw Mother, and I was like, yes, this is the third one of this trilogy. What would you have picked if Mother had fallen flat for you? What would have been your third one? hard to tell maybe i would have waited yes yeah, so you can sit missed. on it if yeah. you want yeah uh so zeke i want to talk to you a little bit because you have not seen didn't didn't watch pie in the fountain with us as a group right. in the podcast mm-hmm. so your background for this is 
what is your Aronofsky background at all? Requiem for a uh, Dream, Black Swan, The Wrestler, Pie yeah. the Fountain. Have you seen any of it? Pretty limited. Uh, I've seen Black Swan. Okay. Uh, I really wanted to see Requiem for a Dream. Haven't seen that yet, though, I, but I've heard. Right. I sort of, like, I want to, but I don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like Schindler's <laughs> List, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, I want to, but it's going to be a yeah, bad time. Right. Headspace, yeah. right? And so I haven't gotten around to that one. Um, but I did listen to The Fountain and podcasts available okay. on all podcast listening <laughs> platforms <Basically>. near you <laughs> uh, now go check them out um, so I listened to those and kind of got a feel for what the tone would be mm-hmm. uh, you know other uh, directors you, you know you guys compared them to yeah very limited background um, I think this is a very different watch through than even Black Swan was right I, I think mm-hmm. this just dials it up so much more but with those two, right? L- limited, but I think I can get a feel for mm-hmm. his Certainly. approach and how he pushes things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't want to imply you can't. No, no, no. But yeah. yeah, just that the three of us have been on this Aronofsky journey. Yeah. Um, so I'm really interested to see, you know, well, yeah, from here from Dive in the deep end, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, obviously, Tim's seen the most Aronofsky here, I think. But Joel, you've seen most of his work too, haven't you? I, I mean, I've... I've Noah is the the only additional one that I've seen. Oh, I haven't seen I Requiem. I thought you've seen the wrestler, wrestler and Requiem for some reason. No, not not yet. Okay, those are definitely on my list, mm-hmm. especially because yeah. I love Mickey Rourke and yeah. now wrestling. I'm excited about that one. Yeah, be a painful watch, but a good one. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine coming in to this one fresh you know like <laughs> I mean, but I mean like Zeke had Black Swan thankfully yeah right, right. but the thing yeah. is like Pi kind of throws you in the deep end you 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 know really quickly that things are going to go horribly wrong <laughs> in that film and I think you kind of get the similar ominous feeling from this film mm-hmm. and I, I I only had noticed in this but Aronofsky really likes the over the shoulder oh There's god this, for Christ I yes my first line shot. is this Fucking camera work. <laughs> <laughs> it's so tension driven. It's 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 a little off from because he he pioneered that the mounted on your chest, seeing your the person's uh, face. Almost every shot in Mother, almost every single one, is a shot of Jennifer Lawrence, either from the front or back, moving from room to room mm-hmm. with like a handheld camera in front of her, behind her. Ninety five percent of our shots, we get one or two actual sort of quote-unquote establishing shots not established anything that's the style of like the whole room and she enters it just for a second Mm -hmm. and we get one or two cases of when she sweeps her gaze across a room and we get to see that nice pan slightly behind the entire rest of this is filmed in horror movie follow the person round the corner jump scare something's there but the thing is, it's not unique to this film this is an aronofsky thing because i always got the sense watching its other films that were in the character or the subject's personal space. That was something See, about Pi, the claustrophobia. I did get that about that. Pi, but not in the same camera work style. No, for sure. I'm saying this This is a little off. It's definitely more horror, because you got a lot of right dead on his and face. And to his credit, we only got a, maybe three jump scares that he yeah. was sort of prom- quote-unquote promising right. us. Right, everything in our own paths is like, oh, I've seen this before. She's going to go around the corner. Oh, nothing's there. She's going to go around this corner. Oh, nothing there. To his credit... He only did that two or three times the whole film. Yeah. 
I imagine those are like, we're going to drop this in the trailer, this in the trailer, this in the trailer. And then he's like, but that's not what this movie is. <laughs> that is so not what this movie yeah. is. So I, I, I was, that was interesting to, to trace that camera work. The idea of claustrophobia and of invading the subject's personal space. And he really nailed the claustrophobia of that kind of big house. Yeah. If you've been in one alone. That eerie, that, like, the place Space, is big, claustrophobic. and the rooms aren't tiny, and you can always see from one room to the next, but not in a way that's helpful if you're scared. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just see the doorway, but you can't see the sound that's coming from the other room. And that's a common theme from Pi and from uh, the fountain, because when we talked about that big opening scene of um, the fountain, where they're going to the temple, right? Mm-hmm. And all of them are kind of smashing into this small, like, this bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Like, even in open spaces, Aronofsky is is making it claustrophobic. So, for this, ha- like, this is, like, just a natural extension of that, is getting right right into a space that mm-hmm. is is terrifying. And fuck you for breaking the... Like, <laughs> there's so many, was- like... I, I wanted to look over to you watching us watch it a couple times, but there was so much going on on the screen that I don't want to blink watching Aronofsky because yeah. you'll miss something and you would have missed stuff. Like, something uh, that was also neat was the sound. Again, we only really hear what we see mm-hmm. because we hear what she hears and she sees, except on the very few occasions we needed her to hear something from three rooms away so she could go there and be frightened, you know. But again, almost the whole time, we only hear and see which... And it just feels so natural to just hear what's in front of you like that. Mm-hmm. It didn't... You know, there are certain other films where we're constantly being led by the nose, but instead you're being led by the ears. Right. But this didn't do that. It just felt so natural and comfortable. Yes, I'm looking at you, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing something that's literally in the room with me. Done. And it felt so just like real life, because that's how hearing works in real life, that I almost didn't notice it as a thing that he had engineered to perfection. Does that make sense? You yeah. don't get a whole lot of like musical cues, like heightening the tension. At least I didn't notice it a lot. I, I, I think the first at all. music yeah. we hear is when we hear like the club music towards the end, uh, yeah. and everybody's just like dancing. And you're just like, oh, I was like, whoa, what is that sound? Like mm-hmm. it was, it was so alien. Like I remember thinking it was some kind of alarm mm-hmm. at first, but then it's like everyone starts dancing, and it was just like, oh, this is okay. This is like a club. All right, yeah, and like mm-hmm. yeah, that was really like shocking for that reason. Yeah. yeah. I'd be interested to hear from you guys if going into this you were aware of the metaphor. Because from the get-go, I'm like, I knew, like... like I've been I, specifically avoiding okay. any information about this film. Gotcha. Because, like, I went in with the assumption that she was Mother Earth. And as we're watching it, you, there's, like, little details of, like, okay, if she Eve, is, like, how, how does it all relate? Mm-hmm. And then it, it slowly solidified her as Mother Earth and... Mm-hmm them as God, mm-hmm. and then the the first humans is Adam and Eve, and then the sink bursting is the flood. That was like the most heavy-handed moment of the yeah. whole thing, because I was like, come on, man, you're better than this. <laughs> <laughs> I like, but I, that was the See, thing, I was you're, looking... You're when, opening my eyes here. When I, when I had that realization, like, mm-hmm. where's the flood? Because the flood's got to come, there's right. got to be a lull, yeah. and it was so, it, like, sorry, not to cut no, you off. please, keep going. Yeah, J- no, just like, I was looking for that release because I was like this has got to stop and it's going to get so much worse before it gets better but we need like that little lull mm. what were you going to say see? just to add on to that yeah I uh, you just answered all my questions oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. sorry please Zeke well, yeah. Yeah, well I guess to bridge the gap there I, I'm glad I I didn't look into the plot but I was looking into the reception because I had heard 
uh, firsthand from other people who had watched it um, that they didn't necessarily like it, but then, um, you know, it was pretty well reviewed, so I was trying to look into that, and I saw there was some pushback uh, and controversy, I guess, around the, the biblical allegory. So just having that framing definitely helped me out. I don't know if if I would have thought about it the same way, but because I had that in the back of my mind, I was linking those things, right? Like mm -hmm. the flood, and then uh, and there's definitely a lot of plagues of Egypt stuff, right? The frog mm -hmm. hops out of the, the basement mm -hmm. there. Oh, there's man. a dead, you know, flies on the window, dead locust, all that kind of stuff. Um, building to the, the big, uh, I guess, kind of Sodom and Gomorrah chaos towards the end. Um, but I don't know if I would have caught all of that in the same way, so I guess I'll turn it over to you, yeah. Scott. Did you feel like... I didn't... No, yeah, like, I mean, she was the house, obviously, mm -hmm. but then the house has the allegory for Earth, and then the creation... No, yeah, you opened my eyes there. And it's not a fault of the film. I... It's something I don't think I've ever mentioned on the podcast before, but I really should have by now, is I don't have a whole lot of biblical knowledge. Almost at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't attend church, I didn't attend Sunday school, I sat down once with a King James Bible to try to just skim through it. Oh, that's because, the wrong version. <laughs> yes, because I was recognizing that so much of our popular culture has biblical bits in it, mm -hmm. and I was sort of missing out. I was like, I need to fix this, and I couldn't do it because King James Bible. Yeah, um, King James was and it's, 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 definitely, it's like the same experience with The Shining, you know? I've seen this reference so many times, uh, I don't like the source that much. <laughs> I mean, sort of, but that in this case, it's just, it hurt, it's hurt me a number of times on films. Um, the Korean horror everyone was talking about called The Wailing from mm -hmm. just last year, I think, is also just super biblical. And it assumed that you had a certain amount of biblical knowledge. So when I went in there not having that, I was lost and confused and kind of upset about, what the hell? Why is this happening? Why is that person doing, well, like it... It didn't, it just totally missed me gotcha. because I was not versed. Whereas in this, I definitely, like I said, with The Wailing, it sort of fell flat for me. Like I should have, I was supposed to have some biblical knowledge to go into that. With this, even without it, the film was still coherent for me and made sense. Yeah. But now that you say that, the more I think about it, the more I go, oh, 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 like, yeah, so... I just need to let go of all my other theories. And, uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, that... Um, it was interesting to see if there was going to be a Christ yeah. figure in it. And there definitely is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how they made a death worse than crucifixion, but they fucking did, because... We eat of his body and blood, yeah. Oh, my... God. Okay, we get, yeah. get to that viscera in just a second. But it's like... I know that she can't fall asleep because he's going to take the baby and give it to the people. I, like I, and I, oh God, just I, the way he's just sitting there, like, like just watching, her, like, like that's and then mine. He doesn't need Ultra. sleep, right? Right, yeah. because it's his creation, God. right? And it's just like, and it's it's the infant, and we see time kind of fluctuates, and it goes either faster or slower, and mm -hmm. there's just as it goes through chaos and chaos. So as she falls asleep, and it goes, I don't know if we're going to see the sun, him raised up, and the, but he just presents the infant, and the infant crowd surfs, and then we hear a snap. And I'm like, are they going to tear the baby to shreds? Like, I don't know how the crucifixion is going to happen, how the, the, the right. sacrifice is going to work. Mm -hmm. And that, it, 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 uh, like, it, it goes past it pretty quick. Because I think it has to. If it lingered on that too long, I feel like we would be more damaged than we are now. Like, that was really, really rough. And then the viscera of the baby's corpse on the altar... And then and all of the followers just devouring little bits and pieces of it, like the sacrament. And then like, honoring him and being upset that she was upset. 
about yeah. It's just like that's the moment I wanted to turn to you because I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and before that, it was it, it was reminding the only other time. I feel like it's been like this is in an Amazing Spider-Man 2 when Gwen Stacy died where actually you hear him go <gasps> yeah oh right like, in the theater it, yeah, yeah it had that same sort of effect where it was just like no they're not gonna <gasps> oh god they did <laughs> and I was like I was like oh here it comes here it comes that was like the only time I actually like looked over at you guys because like here I want to pay attention to their reaction to this yeah, yeah. just I, separate from all of that the imagery of an infant dying was striking on a primal and unnatural yeah. It was another one of those, like, the things I felt when that happened reminded me that I'm an animal mm-hmm. in my own, you know, the circuitry up here. I'm not, I'm not a, not some sort of higher being. I'm just a bunch of flesh and a chemical. But it didn't hit as hard as it might have because the first, like, particularly visceral and gruesome and in-your-face infant death I saw was several months ago in Castlevania, the TV animated series on Netflix. Oh, okay. So... Do they just tear it apart? Uh, no, it's it's almost it's blinking. You miss it, which oh, makes okay. it worse almost <laughs> because like you see it and then you see the monster with the thing in its mouth and then it goes and then you go, oh, like there's this sudden. There must be like eight seconds of dead air in the TV show just mm-hmm. so that everyone watching can have their seizure and then come back and not miss the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess the question is, did it not hit quite as hard here because of the way the film presented it? And I was expecting it. It was like, you knew that was going to happen at the moment he handed the infant over. You were like, I know where this is going. Or is it because it's my second time seeing a dead baby on screen? I, I don't know. Um, well, I think they, but, I think part of it's because they move very quickly through that, too. Right. Like, like yeah, he, you, don't they, get they, much... you knew it was going to happen, and yeah. then, yes, they pr- and, progress. And you don't, you, like, I think it would be different, I don't know if it would be better or worse, if she had caught up to the baby and got to hold the baby, yeah. like, oh no, my baby's dead. It just so quickly moves, yeah, into something worse. Like, oh, what's worse than a baby having his neck snapped, having a bunch of people eating the baby? Like, oh, fuck, who cares about the neck snap? This is fucked up. And, yeah, and you just, you kind of get, you're just on this fucking roller coaster, and it's just, like, going, going, going. And the lead-up is so gradual, which I think still does give it its impact, because just before she's in the room with the baby, and you know, they just swaddled it in a nice blanket, and then you see him handed off to the, <laughs> see him handed off to the people, and you know the blanket's there, and then the blanket's gone, and then there's the snap, and then, and but then the next thing after the snap is so much more gruesome. Like you said, you don't have even time to register that part because you're already onto the next more horrific thing. Yeah, it's really interesting with the peaks and valleys of the film because it goes. The interruption of Adam and Eve into the house, and then that goes out of control, and then you've got Cain and Abel in the yeah. death, mm-hmm. and then you've got the flood after the um, the funeral, the funeral right? Party, right? And then it, it kind of has a lull, and then as things come back in, it, it accelerates like mm-hmm. super uh, uh, concentration of people, like a sea of people are coming, mm-hmm. and then they're killing each other and fucking each other and mm-hmm. all this degradation and worshiping idols and all of that. And then she finally gets escapes. Like, I don't know if that sanctum, that study is supposed to be heaven or if it has that place, but it's like this separated space. And that's the other thing is like the the um, fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. is that, that crystal, right? That they fuck up. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to go yes, into there. Right. That's the one place they weren't supposed to go in and they mm-hmm. fucked it up two seconds after. So he sealed it away. Mm-hmm. And that's where he p- took Mother Nature back to protect her. And then gave her his son to the humanity. But yeah. like, there's that little lull where they have that respite up atop, and they're safe, and they can't penetrate that 
that little oasis. And then you get it again, and it, that, um, once the baby transfers, that goes out of control really, really quickly. It's almost like uh, peaks and valleys of more and more uh, gradual um, intensity. Because mm -hmm. at that end, like, she cracks the foundation, and she fi we finally get to see her be active. Yeah, and mom is pissed. One, yeah. <laughs> and one of the, the criticisms I heard about this film was that it was really, like, anti-woman, anti-feminist. And I think that's missing the metaphor. Like, the whole point is, like, yeah. the reason... Uh, she's very passive, she's very domestic, she's very nurturing, and she doesn't have a whole lot of efficacy in the role. And that's absolutely... Th there's a, a commentary the to be said passive, there. Yeah. But the whole allegory of her being mother earth and that this is how we treat the earth mm -hmm. is is so appropriate and accurate and if anything it's like where do we learn to mistreat the things that nurture us right like our relationship to women and our mothers and uh, fellow humanity is is directly related to how we degradate the earth and the idea of like stripping things off the walls and repainting them and like to prove that i was here like mm -hmm. that yeah. That possessiveness about the space was really interesting and really visceral. Like, but even at the when they already painting during the funeral bit before the flood, mm -hmm. at least the first people, he's like, well, it's the least we can do. Like, we're trying to give back by painting, mm -hmm. and when she's like, stop, they go, okay, sure. They just <laughs> they just do. Like, there's still a little bit of respect. Of res yeah, yeah, quote unquote respect. That's like planting flowers, right? Like, right. it's yeah. like this is what the garden is. Yeah. <laughs> the scene with the painting, it reminds me of like, you know, when someone will be like, uh, kind of get on your computer and be like, oh, here, I'll install this thing that'll do this, this. It's like, what, what the fuck are you doing? Like, don't just install shit on my computer. Like, yeah. what? I'm doing you a favor. It's like, no, I don't want whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Okay, fine. You know, and, and that's kind of what I said. Maybe, again, yeah. that's my own reading into it. That it was kind of, okay, sure. Like, I guess you don't want me to help out and paint your house, like whatever, yeah. you know. Oh, and it was just kind of like, yeah, like, don't, you know, you're not doing something nice for me by doing something I don't want you to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, like, God, yes. <laughs> yeah, I've had, had people like that. <laughs> it's really interesting, like, the, to think of this in the context of the horror home invasion yeah. story. Because yeah. this is so far past that. Like, you get little elements of it, and the jump scary bits come from our expectations of like the home invasion, right? When yeah. Kane comes, or it's Kane, right? Yeah. Kane kills. Yeah. When Kane comes back, it's like he's back in the house. Oh my god! But then, like, it's so much more about the volume of people that come into yeah. the house and the damage that they can do when it's not specifically too. I mean, they beat the shit out of her later in the film, yeah. and that is a hard scene to watch. And we watch that after they've ripped the baby to shreds and yeah. fed it to, like, and that that's really visceral, and she finally explodes, and it's like, gives you that weird sensation. It's like, yeah, the fucking Earth needs to kill us. Like, we, we have fucked up. Like, yeah. The other jarring scene for me, um, in terms of the invasion part, was yeah. the when the military is there, just yeah. the militaristic presence, yeah. just seems yeah. so out of place with the rest of the movie, because mm -hmm. the people before that are coming in and out seem to be just average people, right? Or followers or just someone passing through. And then you get people in full-on SWAT gear, just teams of them tearing through, and they're not necessarily meaning to cause harm to her, mm -hmm. but she's kind yeah. of just taken out in the Humanity's way. Humanity's fumbling attempts at yeah. a society that will hold stable. Yeah. Um, so just seeing them there. I want to ask, yeah. the, the one soldier who picks her up 
who, you know, points the gun at her and she freaks out and he, like, lowers his gun and realizes who she is and, like, goes to help her and keep her safe and asks, like, are you hurt? And then gets dead. Is that is there a biblical figure for that? Who is he supposed to be? I, I think I mean, for me... in general, who is he supposed to be? But then also, now yeah. that we're talking biblical, who is he supposed to be? Well, I mean, for me, I think it just meant... It was a way of saying, like, look, we're not saying that all military is bad, like, but it was chaos. And the fact that we got to the chaos is what adds to more destruction because no one knows what the fuck is going on, so shoot first, ask questions later. But when you finally get to, you know, this person got to look her in the eyes and go, oh, okay, you, you are a person. I'm, I'm here to help you. That's yeah. supposed to be my job. So to show that it wasn't like an anti-military piece mm. to be that, like, it's, it's anti-chaos and it's anti-police state. Um, also, I thought it was kind of neat that, you know, she does call 911, even though she never gets to sort of finish that call. I think, you know, like, I feel like if there's a 911 hang-up, like, they dispatch someone to that location. Right. So and the SWAT fact that they up showed up wasn't, point. like, random. And so, you know, and I feel like that also kind of fits into it, too. Yeah. Like, oh, things are going bad. What do we need? We need more more military presence, more control. Okay, well, we're going to kind of rush in. And, well, it's a fucking mess. So we, all we, we have are guns and shields. So we're going to protect ourselves and shoot everyone who's coming at us, you know. And it's just, like, like, boom, here comes all this violence, you know. And I saw them entering as, like, the manifestation of holy war. The idea that, like... These contemptuous areas of the the, the yeah. world that have specific biblical significance are these constant warring states and this like this frustrated like nobody knows like they're here it's the holy land right like if there was a land more holy than this house in the world I don't know what it would be because this is Eden is right. essentially so like it's contested it's every, like they don't they have. Uh, military gear on and they don't have any any relation to like the smeared ash uh like ash wednesday mm -hmm. religion that was being set up right but it's like they're fighting a war that they don't have anything to do with but it's it's because it's on this land it, it has those and it, it was really interesting it also had like uh human trafficking mm -hmm. elements like it was just like this the i think that was also to show the the level of degradation and the the level of potential evil that humanity has right and that's more contributing to what makes m mother nature justified in burning it to the ground right yeah. like the, the seeing how p badly it's gone mm -hmm. yeah and, and i think a lot of that stuff popped up so quickly too it's to kind of show the the increasing momentum of bad things that are happening new bad things that are happening and how much worse those things are, are getting bad i guess yeah i can't really see things yeah, I guess you can't really say new. I mean, I feel like all the bad stuff happening today is some sort of evolution of the bad stuff that was happening, you know, back at the beginning of, you know, human the human race. But, you know, like, yeah, like, it, it, it seems to pop up out of nowhere, but I think part of it's also maybe just our awareness of it, you know? Like, you know, like, I feel like once you're aware of human trafficking, it's kind of like, it's like, boom, here's a thing that happens, and it's just like, oh, fuck, like, it just pops up in your awareness, and it's like, Okay, what yeah. do I do with this? How do I stop this? What am I supposed to do to with this information? You know, like, mm -hmm. and that's what it is. You're just stuck with that in your head. That's kind of how, yeah, how it is. How she walks into the room. Oh, here's a new problem to deal with: human trafficking. What are you going to do? About, oh. And I wonder how much of it was also meant to be like a, almost like a social media thing. You know, with her, you know, she she's scrolling oh. through and she's seeing all these images of just like Damn. being bombarded by all of this violence. And I, I, I'm sorry, and you know, it's like was I think Mike Burbigley is saying how. Um, you know, on Twitter, uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is always kind of throwing out facts, and it's just like, just, you know, it's, it's celebrities making you feel shitty about yourself, and it's like, you know, every year, X amount of sharks are killed, and he's like, 
I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. Like, I won't kill any sharks. Is, is that what you want from me? Like, is that what you want out of this interaction? Like, what am I supposed to do about all these sharks that are being killed, you know? So I feel like it's almost like that. Like, here's all these shitty things. Have fun trying to sleep tonight, you know? Like, yeah. And again, with the, the home invasion piece, like, I started watching um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf today. Mm-hmm. And it, it's kind of... I, I thought it was going to have more connective tissue. I was talking to Zeke about it on the way over, but I, I, I think... That's more about like social constructs and like individual relationships decaying and it doesn't quite get, I mean it's not even close to the level of degradation and scariness that this gets to, but it's, it's, it would be an interesting like companion piece. I'd recommend everybody watch it because it's on Netflix, it's really good. Um, but I was also thinking about the kind of disregard for the domestic space that this has in the, the initial interactions with Ed Harris's character and his wife, the Adam and Eve. Uh, so, but like their willingness to be discourteous as they invaded the space reminded me a lot of uh, Funny Games, the Michael Haneke horror oh, yeah. movie, which would be an also like a really interesting companion piece to this. Like that, that would be unique variations on the theme of home invasion this and those other two films i'd be interested to hear like like to to see those in discussion because they i think they share a lot of the same dna of like this is a social construct and we kind of as we're getting to know javier bardem and jayla's like relationship there's certain assumptions that we draw about the kind of domesticity to their relationship in this like traditional man's role, to traditional woman's role, and kind of what we allow to happen in that, like what we see as socially acceptable, and the idea of like the the unwelcome house guest is not super like a super violation. It's like a, a microaggression, a micro infiltration of the domestic space and something that you would just put up with but then it gets heaped upon and heaped upon and heaped upon and kind of runs out of control and I think that's a really interesting like element of this movie like that that's something I haven't quite seen in anything else but Virginia Woolf on a smaller scale and funny games on more of a localized but also as violent as catastrophic as this like I was I was gauging in my head which of those films this was going to be closer to and I was completely wrong like <laughs> <laughs> so that that's funny games might have to make a, an entry on this my next yeah, pick might I'd be, be glad to talk about that for sure which one would the you original prefer? I mean I, they're, they're basically shot identical. by shot yeah, but... same director so yeah um I thought it was really interesting when when Adam first shows up I'm just going to call his character Adam yeah, yeah. um <laughs> When she kind of twinges and has to take the the um, uh, tonic that she she from the cabinet, yeah. like she's all she's responding to the introduction of something that throws off the equilibrium. Yeah, and it's really interesting, like how she establishes balance, reestablishes it is that tonic, and it has the same kind of um, montagey feel mm-hmm. as Aronofsky films past, which I thought was really pie cool. Especially, used to pie, yeah. 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 And I guess Requiem with the mm-hmm. doing heroin, right? Yeah. In a subtler way and kind of refined way. And it's cool that he does those little things like, I know you know this is me. Mm-hmm. I'm putting these little things in here, but it's not in such a way that's not the defining punctuation yeah. of the film. 
it also wasn't like a super stylized version like in the others where it's these right. quick cuts. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, you know, it's... It's almost uh, gentler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which that brings up a point, and I, I feel like I did a little bit of research back in the day, but like the significance of the color yellow in the film. Oh, okay. And like that was yellow. Uh, um, Eve's underwear were yellow, like when she finds those in the dryer. Mm-hmm. And I think even his lighter had like a little Something, emblem on it that yeah, was yellow. Yeah. And like there are certain points where there'll be like this kind of yellow light and... Um, that will sort of come out like in the windows, but it's like it's not just like natural light; it's very like yellow, yellow, like mm-hmm. piss yellow light coming through. So it's like it's okay, like peeing in this too. Yeah, <laughs> like even Jesus, like the the Christ yeah. baby, when they take the, yeah, the cup, he's peeing. Yeah, which is really interesting. I yeah yeah. But like, what did you do that. specifically? Well, that was like, the thing is, I was looking into um, like I was, I was reading about it, and I think a, a lot of the only stuff I found was more kind of surface level about like you know the idea because I, I don't know if it's the same the same stuff she was using to dye the like the the plaster the paint yeah. that she was putting on so like you know if it's if it's like oh well you know certain things were used to color certain things and it, it was just kind of that but yeah it was it was definitely something where i was like okay that's not really interesting and i think for a while there was didn't a lot go of, anywhere yeah there was yeah. a lot of stuff he wasn't admitting to so it was kind of just like oh yeah who knows what that is you know and right. kind of leaving you to figure it out um, and I was kind of hoping to, to see, I mean, I definitely noticed yellow more going into it, but I didn't really see enough of a connection to go, oh, that's what yellow represents in this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I also didn't want to try to speculate too much. Sometimes I'll do that. I'll try to force my own connections with something. Well, yellow means this, so it means probably has to do, and it's like, no, that's not at all what it was intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was kind of being coy about like death of the author stuff where he's like, eh, it means what you want it to be. Right, yeah. Yeah, so there was, yeah, there was no definitive stuff about the color yellow that was like, oh, well, that's, that's you know, I mean, yeah, I feel like it's it's meant to stand out, but I don't for the reason. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, I, yeah, I probably should read about it again. I almost I wonder if it's just because the color palette he picked for the whole house and place is very, very limited. I, it'd be interesting to see if there's anything to, like, that mucus theory like mucus urine like the the essential uh, uh the humors or yeah the yeah. bodily fluids yeah. are all coordinated to a specific like mm. type of person i almost um, just wonder if it's that the whole house and the whole color palette of the film of jennifer lawrence and and the house is very the whole color palette is very earth tone yeah and and he just needed a color that was going to pop and he just decided he was going to pick one color to be the thing he used for the things he wants audience to notice. He just picked yellow. Yeah. Like, maybe that's all there is. Yeah. You know? Well, then what is the significance of the items he's choosing the pot? Like, why why, right. why is her underwear the same color as the stuff she's drinking? Right. You know? Like, that type of thing. So, like, yeah, like, yes, we're noticing and these the things because they're the yellow. The lighter. Right. right. So, it's like, what what is it about that that we're... It's interesting with all of jennifer lawrence's clothing it's like all wool all mm-hmm. like knit like in all of the the like the kitchen appliances like it was like copper or brass or like it was all like really natural earth yeah like her cutting board like yeah. that, it wasn't a whole lot of manufactured mm-hmm. stu- looking stuff at least or as elements of what she was manipulating which was interesting had a cool contrast to yeah I also like, too, that we're not sure, like, what time period it takes place in mm. until they're there, like, oh, can I use your phone? I'm not getting a signal. It's like, oh, we have cell phones. Okay. Right. Like, you know, how jarring that moment was, you know, I thought, you know. Mm-hmm. 
That's interesting because that's kind of the only thing that dates the film at all. Like, he could have it could have just been a can I use your phone? And he could have left the audience to assume there was no cell service, right? Mm-hmm. But like he felt that he needed to say it, I guess. It's also interesting with kinda of like the contrast of ages. Like Adam and Eve were older, right? Mm-hmm. And Adam was dying. And then they their kids and then death. And then like the next wave of mourners is almost all youth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the flood happens, and then it yeah. comes like more youth, more like, and then I mean, there's the age of the the priest, right? The right. the one that ends up smearing the the painter, yeah, yeah. whatever, yeah. Um, I was I kept looking for a serpent character or manifestation, like what would lead them, but like the the fruit of the tree of good and evil, like mm-hmm. is such a brief point, like nothing gets them up there other than their own. Like, leave me not curiosity. into temptation. I can find it for myself. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, and and she she, Eve was already kind of like, interested in that room, like wanting to be mm-hmm. like God, like yeah, wanting to have access to where he wrote. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I wonder. I just in general, I feel like that's almost part of the commentary. Is like it's so easy to have this evil figure you can blame everything right. on, and part of the point of the story was kind of putting a lot of that blame on God in a lot of ways, you know, where it's just like, you know, him basically being this abusive, emotionally abusive husband and neglecting husband to a degree. Like this is why all this went to shit, you know. He was really but, taking her for granted. Yeah. But then he can always just make another. Right. So of course he is. Mm-hmm. Right. Of course he doesn't value that which he has an infinite supply of. Right. But, but yeah, so yeah, there's no, yeah, it was, I thought it was an interesting choice to be like, yeah, we don't need a devil figure for, for various reasons, you know. There's enough evil. <laughs> yeah. Also, part of it, the other thing I thought of, too, is the, um, and this could be me reading into it too much. There, you know, there is a lot of talk, you know, with um, sort of the, the conversation about, you know, feminism and Catholicism, that there is this sort of, like, sort of the, 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 the sacred feminine being kind of, I don't want to say disrespected, but definitely put in a, a, a bubble into a box. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we respect women. You know, the mother of, the, you know, the, the, the God on earth is a woman. But, like, the, the purpose of the woman is to birth the person who is really important. Repurposing respect into another form of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or dismissal, right? Yeah. So, so part of me, kind of, I feel like they also didn't want. I, I think he didn't want to have like sort of this third entity. It was like you know, if we have to choose, we're choosing him, you know, and to kind of show how much she got pushed to the side, without you know, yeah, without it didn't need this sort of the, this this devil figure, this uh, adversary to God. God right. was kind of his own adversary. Mm-hmm. You know, and almost, you know, became the adversary of her. Um, and that was another thing, too, that I saw. Like, one of one of the moments that really stood out to me here is after the scene when, um, you know, when her baby is being eaten. Like, and, and, and again, this is going to sound very anti-feminist, but I think this was the point of the way this was done is that she looks crazy in that moment. 
she has every right to be, right. but the way everybody is dressed so nice around her and, and so, so they're yeah, so calm and their emotions are so going you know the yes, yeah. the ritual and the this and this and then to see her hair messed up screaming at all of them, it's like um, like this is what it is. It's like we are gonna push you to the fucking limit and then if you shout back, it's like, Hey, why are you getting so emotional? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big part of what that scene was about. Like, I think mm-hmm. they, you know, to show that contrast where even, even knowing, like we went through that journey with her, we know why she's acting that way. It's like, whoa, she looks crazy. But it's only by contrast to how calm and how much sense everything around her seems to make. Because the question we're know? asking again and again and again is, what's wrong with these people? Yeah. Because they do stuff and that's not normal. And they act like it's normal. Right. And that's finally, we get to the end there. They're standing there eating a baby yeah. going, what? Huh? Why is this upsetting? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. And we're just like, what? <laughs> and so, yeah. And so when she starts stabbing, we're uh, right there with her. Yeah. Fuck yeah. 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 It's the most righteous stabbing in any movie. It'd be a great revenge movie. A righteous stabbing. A <laughs> righteous stabbing. <laughs> also sounds like a euphemism for sex. <laughs> Kill Bill? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, lots of stabbing. That was the Japanese lots of revenge. <laughs> a righteous stabbing volume one. Oh, th- that was another thing I thought of while we were while we were dealing with some of our technical difficulties I wanted to bring up. Um, like, you know, when you kind of get into the discussion about the the the, the gender roles um, and, you know, the, like people saying this was an anti-feminist film. And when you look at it like when when no one um, when no one else is there, you know, we have, she's, she's the one fixing the house mm-hmm. and he's, he's a writer. Now, no, you know, again, going with sort of like, you know, traditional, um, you know, polarity ways of explaining things. Like one of the things that kind of caught me is like, you know, usually fixing the house is more of the, the masculine thing that the dad thing to do, like, right. Oh, the walls have to be painted, you know? And then, you know, whereas I feel like writing in the arts that's more of the quote-unquote feminine end of things so it's almost like there was this kind of reversal there from the beginning where it's like i mean sure she did do you know all the cooking and stuff too which that's kind of like okay yeah he's just totally domestic i'm gonna go try to write while you cook and clean for me but then again you know she was also i i felt like there was a part of her that did want to fix up the house i mean she wanted him to also help and be involved in that but it wasn't like she felt like she had to, and I, I, part of my main point is I feel like to, to some degree there was not, not a complete balance between the two of them, but more of a balance and more of what she was doing, I think, was what she wanted to be doing. But she w- didn't want to be doing it for all these other people, and right, it wasn't until right. he started making her a hostess, you know, yeah. and like all those scenes of him sitting at the table with the people and her bringing stuff and her creating right. the stuff and then her keeping track of her all the people who are running all, yeah you know like that's I think what started tipping the scales like and then I, to, you know to kind of it feels a little weird to call a a biblically rooted story feminist or anti-feminist or etc just because like the bible itself is so old right it's been around for you know forever that like mm-hmm. to get mad that the modern filmmaker didn't want to twist parts of it to suit modern tastes. Right. Feels a little, a little tone deaf, yeah. right? Like, well, I mean, part of the point is, yeah, if you're drawing on this this material, which is from the creation, anti-feminist, right. like of course that part's going to work its way. But then to show like how shitty that anti-feminism right. is, you know, right. like 
like yeah like the, like the the point is that like yeah, if I write like, a story right now that mm-hmm. says fuck women and then two hundred years from now some guy makes that story into a movie, why are you getting mad at that guy for not changing the thing? You know like right. it shouldn't yeah. it should be mad that the story is that way. Yeah. Like, well, I think the, the, the I thing to make clear that that's where the, the yeah. criticism is coming from. I think it's more about the idea of the lack of agency of her character and kind of mistaking the metaphor. I think I think that's where the the fundamental yeah. criticism is coming from. Is like just looking at Jennifer Lawrence as a manifestation of the modern woman and how mm-hmm. little mm-hmm. agency she has. Yeah, and I I totally see that. But I think in in the greater scope of the metaphor that they're working with is like right. yes, this is shitty. Right. And she is a manifestation of the earth and mm-hmm. nature. Yeah. It's interesting the idea of like the equilibrium that is struck between Javier Bardem and her. The idea that she, she almost seems to be a set up system, like a closed circuit. Right. Like yeah. she, what else is she going to do? <laughs> he set nature in motion and it's a slow repair process. Mm-hmm. And it has this cycle where it, it it's Working the system of the house works piece. in yeah. equilibrium with the things that he's creating and like catering to him, right? And then once all these different unbalancing forces are inter- introduced, that's where she's way having too quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's not able to cope with it, and that's why it feels so dramatic and so um, uh, overwhelming. Is because yeah. the closed circuit of nature is supposed to be slow. It's supposed to be gradual. It's not supposed to deal with the disease. It's was... the Matrix again. Like <laughs> it, it, we really show the infection of humanity mm-hmm. in this. Film. Something that was phenomenal about this, both as an exercise of perspective and also as a little bit of a giveaway, is that nothing outside of the house exists. Right. Ever. It gets to like it's, a crusted. We edge. never see a person yeah. step off the porch. And anyone who supposedly has done, where they like exit the room and then she catches up to them ten seconds later, they just have vanished into thin air. Mm. Yeah, they just they just vanished into nothing. And she never steps off the porch because she can't. Yeah, she right. is the house. She can't exist, can't exist beyond it. Nothing beyond it exists. A from her perspective, which is how we're watching the film. But B just at all just stops. Mm. Yeah, that was the one of the most haunting scenes. It really lets you know something is is really wrong. When they're like, oh, we've got to go to the hospital. They run off the porch, and then it shows her and no one. And then they show her on the porch, from the, and no one's anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's like, where, where, how'd they, where, where'd they go? Like, yeah, like that, that's like, okay, this is, this, yeah. Because I mean, up until that point, yeah, it could have been just a home invasion thing. There's really nothing supernatural that happens. Right. And that's like, I think, one of the first moments that you're like, whoa. There's an eeriness to yeah. that, for sure. Zeke, I'm interested whether this makes you more likely to watch more Aronofsky or if you're like, I, I've had my or, fill of it. Or more likely to quit the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> more definitely more likely to watch uh, more Aronofsky, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I mean, it sounds like it can't get any worse. <laughs> and worse not in quality, but worse as in, I guess, shock value or, whoa, what did I just, <laughs> what did I just get into? Um, so yeah, I definitely want to watch more of it, I think. Be interested to see what you think of the fountain and pie. I think yeah, those would be good watches as a fo- that you should like reverse cycle or right. Yeah, you cycle back to the first one. That would be a kind of interesting journey. Yeah, giving you homework. <laughs> <laughs> and it's with a movie that's basically all allegory. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's great to 
see a film that pulls it off that's not frustrating because it's shackled by the allegory. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, at, at some point in a movie like this, if you get what it is and you're, like, frustrated by it, it's like, oh, it's just Romeo and Juliet. Like, like that would seem to be frustrating to certain people or certain audiences if it's done in a, in such a way. But this was just, like, because I came in with that assumption and then I was, like, figuring out the thing. But, like, it, it wasn't, like... It was all unlocked for me. I still mm-hmm. was... There's mysterious things about it. It's like, okay, how is he going to do this little piece? Is he going to go mm-hmm. into that? Like, it, it gave more like a blueprint or like possible avenues for the journey. And it was like, oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Like, I, I, I just... I thought it was a cool way of doing allegory in a way that wasn't predictable or felt hack or like frustrating because, okay, this is just something I've seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, mm-hmm. I thought this was a really clever way of doing it and kind of burying the lead about like, okay, they thought it was a bed and breakfast and it like slowly goes from kind of just mild social anxiety to complete invasion. Mm-hmm. And to touch again on your, the more quickly things get introduced, she can't keep up before the flood. There's that scene where she goes to take her medicine and someone walks in on her. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Even that's, it's not working anymore. Right. It's too much too fast. Also, uh, my favorite note, Chekhov's sink, question mark. <laughs> One line later, Chekhov's sink, exclamation point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how did you come in with the assumption that it would be Mother Earth, like not having known so, the plot? Or? Um, mainly the title and then hearing Tim no, 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 be really excited. Well, no, you're <laughs> just being really excited about it and thinking of it as like, I, I had heard somebody else that like, specifically talk about it in relation to it being a metaphor the mm-hmm. whole thing being yeah. a metaphor as like i just connected the dots gotcha. of like mother would be mother earth and i also like knew certain elements like from the trailers and stuff and like snippets of things i had seen like they just cascade shit at jennifer lawrence in a way like so gotcha. yeah one thing i like looking into it after um and and seeing on the credit so in the end credits, everything's decapitalized except for him, for Javier Bardem's character. And then I was oh, looking I at the DVD case, that. and mm-hmm. the whole back of the DVD case is lower caps. Um, so just to really emphasize that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, so I, one I of my notes is a... um, when things are beginning to fall apart, like while well, she's pregnant, before we get to the actual insanity, they take that like cape, right? She was baking. Mm-hmm. And like, cut into it with a spoon just to oh, add yeah. one more little like <laughs> screw you yeah. like, not even using a knife just <laughs> which I really liked that touch um, I wasn't even like processing the credits it's, I'm glad you caught that because it's like mm-hmm. at that point my just mind was just done. so like oh yeah. man bad things happen yeah. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about um, I guess with the reception right it's a, it's a movie that is generally well reviewed, right? I mean, it's like sixty eight percent, like like pretty good, yeah. right? But it also was nominated for some Razzies, which you know that yeah. is what it is, right? But I don't know. I mean, how do you, what is it that makes audiences so split on it? Do you think, or what what would make someone think, yeah, that's worst acting performance of the year or worst movie of the year? But then also have people say this is a very good solid movie. I mean, uh, they don't understand metaphor. <laughs> if you're looking at it completely right, on the right. surface, it 
gets weird. The film's a disaster, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A and then B. It's hard to follow because you don't understand like where everything's yeah, coming right. from, and it just kind of cycles out of control. The whole thing feels kind yeah. of pointless. And then just to add to that, although it's sort of redundant, it's an Aronofsky film. <laughs> so many of them are just like that, mm-hmm. right? That you need well, I also re-listened to our episodes about Pie in the Fountain. Like, people coming mm-hmm. out of the fountain frustrated that it wasn't the next Back to the Future. Right, like, yeah. Just, yeah. And oh, I mean, yeah. Right. Why are you here? <laughs> it could be coming from a place of, like, this was booked as a horror film. Mm-hmm. And it abandons the horror language pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It becomes something else. Right. right. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's... I don't know, like... It's also weird. I think that, that might be... It's not easily palatable, I think. I, that that might be the whole Aronofsky's films tend to not be easily palatable just in right. terms of style yeah. the whole film the whole metaphor and sequence of events isn't easily palatable especially if you're looking at it surface level mm-hmm. and then the things themselves are so graphic and awful that adds yet another layer of unpalatability yeah yeah yeah, that was some of the reviews I read. People were like, and then they tear apart it. And it's just like, why would you do that in a film? And it's like, okay, you missed the whole point of that, you know? Yeah, right. So you're just looking at it this, as this gratuitous thing. Like, of course, you're going to be like, oh, it was for shock value and to be over the top. And it's just like, no, there was a very specific reason for that. And you just completely missed it. With the performances, I, I don't I don't know where people could interpret those as bad performances. Right. I feel like that's a big swing and a miss on behalf of the Razzies. Yeah, because usually yeah. they... You know, I mean... I mean, the Razzies are less about the actual quality of the thing than they are about what people like to hate this year. Yeah. I mean, but but Adam Sandler is, is, you know, in Don't Mess With the Zohan, is one thing, or Adam Sandler and Jack and Jill. I love Adam Sandler, so this isn't (laughs) me picking on, but he's been nominated for Razzies for those roles, right? That's one thing. But then, I don't know, I feel like it's a reach, to it's a mega reach to go ahead and say that that was... Like Jennifer Lawrence's performance was worst of the year. I, I don't know how you go about oh, getting there. No right. yeah, I think yeah. that's silly. And that's the thing. Like J Law on her worst day is better than a lot of people. Like I I mean I've seen her in roles that I didn't really particularly sure. care for. But like this this was great. Yeah. She mm-hmm. played that vulnerability, and you saw her slowly go insane, and then mm-hmm. have righteous retribution. And I mean, even Javier Bardem's character, like that. You get a little of the, the old world rage a little bit with mm-hmm. them going in the garden. Oh, but yeah, when you get that, like, all of a sudden the booming the, voice. Yes, and know, that's, like, like, that locked it into me. It's like, yeah. that's, that's who that is. Yep. But then you get, like, this this desperate to create, has to create, that's what I am. I have mm-hmm. to create. That was really interesting to see those that. creations. And yeah, and then really the know. idea of, like, wanting to be benevolent, wanting to... It's life. Life is a gift. Trying, like, that... Playing that character that way was really interesting and great. Like I, again, somebody whose worst day is better than mm-hmm. the whole C yeah. list. You know, like that's what we were talking about briefly before the podcast started about just that. I I hate to to try to say someone can or can't act until I've seen them in a variety of right. films exactly and types of role, mm-hmm. and then good films too. On top of that, right. you know that like because if you see someone just in films that have heaps of problems you have no idea whether their performance was bad or the film itself or just such a train wreck you can't tell and if you see one person in the same type of role every time it's like well what do i know you know what if suddenly they do a drama and they're just incredible you know suddenly they do a comedy and they're really fun you know you never know 
and can take many, many years for actors to cover yeah. that range. And Speaking of that, it was cool to see Kristen Wiig in here. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a she's in everything now. Right. She's yeah. And she's so... Yeah. Beli- like, it's it's not... it's You have that, like, microsecond of, like, oh... But then she she melts right into the the uh, the character. Oh God, she's she, fucking executing all the things. I like, oh fuck, <laughs> oh it's her. Oh, <laughs> where have you been hiding? <laughs> yeah. That was so visceral because she has two shotguns. Is just walking, cash, gagoosh, gagoosh, gagoosh. She turns around, like this is not an SNL sketch. <laughs> this is not a sketch. Yeah. Live from New York. Yeah. <laughs> that was rough. And then you, she gets. Bottom half of her jaw taken off like yeah. that. That was oh yeah when they explode yeah it's yeah. just like yeah that was <laughs> well, great cameo and, yeah that was one of those things too I I remember that last time and I was trying to I was like oh yeah that's something I wanted to figure out like if she's supposed to be his his publisher like is that basically like I think like, that was what, what's that metaphor is she like the know? angel of death is or, she like, or is she I think real? that was just the last vestiges of the the pretense that this might be normal mm-hmm. like trying to stand up and. Mm. You know, being propped up, the, you know, three kids in the trench coat have fallen over and the clothes have fallen off, and the one kid, like, grabs the hat and stands on his toes. He's <laughs> like, I'm the publisher. This is normal still. Yeah. It's like your, your two buddies are over there running off with your coat. <laughs> like, you know. I was also confused, like, not confused, but interested in, like, what his first work was, right? Like, the yeah, idea of him. because yeah. Adam shows up and he's a fan. Yeah. yeah, is that just him writing? Is that just the heavens and the earth? Yeah, you know, the yeah, first kind of what I look and for. Years, six yeah. Days, first work. Yeah, and I, I was thinking about that too, and I feel like, you know, he's created the house, he's created everything around the house. Uh, he's he's got the mother the there as the earth, right? Adam and Eve show up, and then he, you know, he's he's going through his writer's block, right? After he's kind of created everything, mm-hmm. and is that just him? You know, resting. struggling to resting, I guess, yeah, or just struggling day, to yeah. come up with the the, the story, yeah, like the rest of history, or yeah. yeah, right. Well, plus there are like the two testaments, you know, and that that's the story we're seeing play out is everything in the Old Testament, mm. and then when we get to the point where she's pregnant and he's he writes again, that's the New Testament. That's the story yeah. that's kind of being told, you know, around the life of the child and all that stuff. Gotcha. So. I guess I didn't. I I saw it more as like the Ten Commandments because they're like fighting over it. And they put it on that placard, right? Yeah. But like the the, the New Testament makes s- so much more sense than just that. Like that. that. That reminded me of another scene, like that one part where she walks by that room, and you see that they've got it on the post, yeah. and they're doing all that chanting. But then there's one point later where you see four groups of people, and I couldn't tell it, but they're all chanting like something different. They're all like moving towards each other, yeah. and it's like I thought like that was one of my favorite moments too, because it's like showing you're all in this same house, you're all worshipping the same guy, but you're about to get a, in a fight with each other because you're all mm. saying different words. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciated the, the fan pictures of him and just how, I guess, church cardy or, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. they look very... programming, Right, yeah. Very old style and, right, it wasn't like a modern headshot of him. It was a very grainy, uh, you know, like a depiction of a saint or of of another biblical figure. I thought that was a good touch too. It's interesting with like the prayers, like of those, like writing mm-hmm. their, their impressions or whatever and putting them on that door, which was like, that's the gate to heaven or what that <laughs> sanctum. Yeah. And then the, when the first time we see the humans dealing with death, the message that God gives about, can you still hear their voice? Right. Mm, and then how quickly when, the Christ child dies 
it's like three seconds afterwards they talk that and he hasn't died because he's still here like how ingrained that message was through all of that and how strong it was at that moment and that's what made it okay to eat him that's what made all of that yeah that was really interesting they've been taking that idea and toying with it and worrying about it and thinking about it and dwelling on it for all those eons and indoctrinating but she hasn't (laughs) so yeah Yeah. damn I like that too that like with the whole thing with the ash or whatever the black stuff on the forehead like that was another thing where I was trying to figure out like well, what's the significance of that mark in particular and then part of me is almost kind of like maybe that's the point is like there's no significance it's just a mark and once everybody has it okay you're all part of the same group right. and because this guy said this is the mark you're supposed to have it was an accident initially too right well, that's what I thought he yeah but I couldn't see goes to touch him and then the one guy goes he, he marked me he marked yeah. me look he marked him he marked oh, me do we, me next so I wonder where, where did he get the black smudge on his thumb to begin with he I, was I, signing autographs oh, just so if, like from marker or whatever I guess so uh, I think I might have to choose like Life of Brian after this because this is a great Ooh. commentary on dogma and <laughs> yeah. Life of Brian is like the comedic other side of that oh, like okay. that would be a really good because I, I wanted to reference the scene because I don't think any of you guys have seen I it. Seen I don't want to I don't want to no. spoil it because yeah. there's something very specific to like how uh, uh, coincidental and significant certain things gotcha. are in organized religion. Mm-hmm. It's great. Like that's exciting. <laughs> This is good. Like this is good. I, yeah, this is good. I definitely came into it like Worried. anticipating, right? Anxious, feeling sick to my stomach, mm-hmm. and it definitely got there. <laughs> <laughs> so mission accomplished. <laughs> God damn. Oh, I, oh, that was another thing too that I noticed. Like at the end, after the house burns down, he's carrying her, and like it's it's kind of interesting through the whole thing because like yes, you know we do have this kind of knowledge. You know, because of how it starts with like a different fire, woman yeah. in the fire and in then the house and but like, like is it the fire he's talking about when he's showing Adam the fruit and like oh yeah I left right. everything in a fire and after the fire I found this and this and her gave me the will to go on and like so is that the fire we got a glimpse of at the beginning or is this going to happen again mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to see this at the end you know but like you kind of you know I feel like not, not that you forget that that happened but it's kind of like you're you're kind of in this world but then the part when she's like what are you you know it's almost like that you you see such a bigger separation between the two of them yeah like you know because you, you know when you kind of say oh okay she's like you know this this gaia this mother earth kind of thing so you're kind of looking at oh there, there are two types of gods but then it's like no no she's still something way different and he's still like you know he he stood there in the fire was untouched you know she's a tool of his and you like that to me also kind of really hammered it home, you know. And the idea that, um, you know, it 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 really hammered home that that she doesn't know that she's one in a line of them, you know. And you're kind of kind of thinking of like, you know, they don't really talk about her past, but you do that in plenty of movies, you know. Right. Where was she before she was here? We don't always get that, but it's this de- definitely this sense of like, yeah, she was she was nothing before she was here, but he was there, you know, and like. Like, that was, like, a, I thought a really poignant movement, moment because it was, like, it, it really showed the, for lack of a better term, like, the tear, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he's still he's still in charge. He's still running this place. He's, he's still the one with power, and he's kind of, like, going to let you have some of it so you can kind of run around and play goddess for a while. 
but you know if you misbehave and fuck it all up I'll, I'll just start it all over again mm-hmm. so I'm looking at the the roles here they, on IMDB you know Jennifer Lawrence mm-hmm. mother Javier Bardem the poet right him oh him okay Ed Harris man Michelle Pfeiffer woman mm-hmm. younger brother oldest son cupbearer damsel consoler bumbler philanderer fool wanderer idler whisperer adulterer zealot defiler Pisser, lingerer, loiterer, aesthete, like aesthetic, aesthete, epicure, drunkard, devotee, herald, a better, thief, plunderer, pilferer, neophyte. It goes on and on That's and on amazing. like this. They're all archetypes. That's amazing. Fuck, Darren can Sabrina write some Campili, shit. Good Samaritan. Is that, Is that the, the, the military guy who like stopped no, her? No, this a woman. Is that the woman who, like... No, that's like, not Kristen Wiig. What's Kristen Wiig's publisher? Harold. Harold. Ooh. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, she's the one who's kind of like, yeah, like the... It's like a uh, Gabriel, like, announcing, uh, yeah. Or uh, Metatron. Or maybe that's more the, 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 I think, the Jewish version of that. Like the, yeah, Kristen Wiig. The, the, the mouth of God. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the Good Samaritan is the one who, when she's leaning against the door, is telling her to push. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Yeah, his stuff that he writes is just awesome. No, like, no healer. But also, there are so many people here. Like, there's no way cast. all of them were actually their thing. Named mm-hmm. Like one person who was in a background for you know a third of a second, you know, was Devourer, right? Like, right. Just I yeah. We there's no way we saw all of these in any way, shape, or form played out on the screen. But the names themselves are still really. Really interesting. This this role name is literally Beefy Looter slash Ezekiel twenty six twelve. What the hell? Anyone want to tell me what Ezekiel twenty six twelve is? Is that the one from Pulp Fiction? No, I don't think so. Because that one's from Ezekiel, isn't it? Yeah, it is Ezekiel. Somewhere yeah. it's a misquoted chunk of Ezekiel, but I'm not sure it's twenty six twelve. Doesn't, the numbers don't sound right when I hear Sam Jackson's voice in my gotcha. head saying them, right? Maybe I'm just insane. I think one of the numbers is 24. This is my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> the we stop and look stuff The up. silent sound yeah. of Googling. 2612, I said, right? Yeah. So. And lo, there was a movie by Darren Yarnowski. <laughs> yeah, right, though. Um, plunder and pillage are definitely used so that's already they will plunder your wealth and loot your merchandise they will break down your walls and demolish your fine houses and throw your stones timber and rubble into the sea come on good time in Ezekiel yeah it's funny that that's only attributed to one character I feel like that's the whole fucking that, movie yeah <laughs> right yeah 2517 is uh, the Pulp the Fiction Pulp one, one and I I looked because I have that as my username in one of my fantasy football leagues. So <laughs> nice. Double check there. Nice. So in the interest of time and yeah. hoping this doesn't crash. The one last thing I yeah. want to say then is I loved when they're prepping for that publishing party that turns into the chaos and she's in that fancy dress that she wears for the riot. I just I had this sudden image of you know they've been living alone together through the duration of this pregnancy. Go buy a formal maternity dress. What? <laughs> We're having a party. What? Like, just how annoying would that be in real life, right? 
Like, can't wait till after I have the baby. <laughs> Save the money. <laughs> all right, sorry, that's all. <laughs> so, I think we're moving on to your favorite section, Bill. Yeah, and we're going to put it right here. It is It is time for <laughs> another situational movie recommendations. Situational movie recommendations. Yay. I have one. Does anybody else have one? Nope. Okay, what is your favorite movie to watch other people watch for the first time? And you can't say mother. <laughs> I think Life of Brian is one for me, for sure. Not because it's like eerie or twisted or anything, but it's like... I like to watch people when I'm not pre-laughing at all the jokes. Mm. I like watching like, hey, that's that funny. But I imagine uh, Bronson was like that for me. And then uh, probably um, Memento will be like that. And now, since Zeke and I have both seen Stay, because my partner Tina introduced us to Stay, that will also be one, because that movie is twisted and amazing. We should watch it on the podcast. Yeah. So, I had a chance to think about it early when we watched Stay, so I'll go ahead with mine. Um, two would be... one. The first one would be uh, Usual Suspects. Mm. I just mm. love the yeah. Kaiser Soze reveal. Mm. Um, it's fun to watch people watch that. And then the other one would be Get Out, I think. It's another fun first time or when everything clicks and just like the horror and trying to guess what's coming up. And then it's usually something very different. So watching people react to that is fun. So two for me. Us would probably be another one. Like they get to show Tina that one and it's going to be a good night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'll pick another one because I can't pick Mother, but also Mother. Yeah. No, this um, was definitely yeah. <laughs> fits the category. Um, but yeah, similar to the usual suspects, Fight Club was like that for yeah. me. I mean, I don't know who hasn't seen that by right. this point, so I don't know that that'll ever happen again until I have kids, if I ever have kids. <laughs> hey, come on in here. <laughs> watch a Fight Club. <laughs> the first rule of Fight Club is we don't talk about it. Timmy, shh. That's right, little Susie. <laughs> Um, so that's definitely one of them. Um, you know, part of me, my instinct was to say the matrix, but I almost, something about me kind of pulled back from that. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just that I've talked about it so much, or maybe it's just, uh, you know, maybe another one where, yeah, I don't know. I guess it, I'd have to reevaluate that if, if, again, if there's someone left who hasn't seen it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, and now that I'm thinking of that too, the fact that those two movies have that sort of like reveal part way through, and now I know that that thing is done to death now, right. but I feel like it wasn't done as often back then, uh, to the point where you weren't expecting it from minute one of the movie. Right. Um, so those two definitely had that for me and to see, yeah, like maybe back in the day before people had seen it, like to, to watch the reaction, you know, like that when his scream gets digitized and it's just like, what, why is everything pink? What is all that stuff? You know, like all of that stuff. It's just like, yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, fuck it. I'll include matrix in there more, more as a retroactive thing. Like I said, it hasn't happened in a while, but when it did, it was great. So that, yeah. I wonder if that means mother is now one of my favorite movies. Yeah. <laughs> in keeping with my history of having multiple answers, um, Mystery Train, just because I like when people start to put together yeah. the gunshot in the hotel. No, that was a and fun whole, Oh, all three of them come together. And it's also like more lighthearted yeah. and soul-crushing, so I like that a lot. Uh, and then on the soul-crushing side of things, La Haine. 
Yeah. Just because that's... Oh, shit, that last sequence for sure. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is, you know, where the tension goes up and down. Uh, But then, one I'm I'm sort of being predictive about, because I haven't watched it with anyone yet, ever. I think I watched it in class, and I've watched it on my own a number of times. I'm really... I'm expecting Citizen Kane to be Mm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Because it's another film that everyone's heard of, but no one's seen. And... Especially since it constantly gets talked about as one of the greatest movies of all time, I get the feeling that people are going to go into it skeptical. And I just, I love, I can't wait to see your faces, right, as it goes, to see whether it holds up or doesn't hold up or, or etc. So you've seen Citizen Kane. Right? Yeah, I, I saw that in like seventh or eighth grade, so okay. I'm due for oh, a rewatch yeah. <laughs> when I'll yeah. actually understand it a little more. Mr. Yeah. Cultured over here. <laughs> I saw the greatest film in seventh grade. <laughs> that was actually somehow that came out of uh, Denver Public Schools, which yeah. I don't know. It was a good class, I guess. Because <laughs> yeah, some of them are when people talk about these landmark old films, you know, some of them turn out like the Maltese Falcon does for me. That I'm like, I this well, doesn't this fun. doesn't really deserve its reputation, right? And some of them turn out where like they were really good for the time, but they don't hold up anymore because that's just the nature of things. Some of them are like, they're good, but they're not to my taste, but I recognize they're good. And I'm like, and then there was Citizen Kane. And I watched that and I was done and I was just like, yeah, I absolutely earned earned every piece of it and it still holds up. Um, that's kind of one of the only ones that's really done that. Uh, just because, like a lot of films, it's sort of the, it, it sort of sidestepped the Seinfeld problem, I guess. And what the Seinfeld problem is, is that Seinfeld did a bunch of things that everyone else has done to death now. So people go back to watch Seinfeld for the first time and they go, this is so dumb and derivative and boring. This is like bog standard. This is like the foundation. But like at the time it was first, which is why it made waves. Citizen Kane sort of sidestepped that. So much of what it did became integral to filmmaking. But it still works. It's still great to watch. (laughs) So, yeah. Hopefully, Citizen Kane. We'll see. We'll get there one day. But Lahane for sure, and Mystery Train for sure. Yeah. A happier note. Just I love when, like, they, you get to the beginning of the third plot, and the gun shows up, and then when you see them drive past, oh, like it all comes together, and you're like, all right, all right. That's a good one. I love it. So, so yeah, those are my answers. This is a nice light-hearted one too, the Mystery Train. Yeah. Right? Um, absolutely Steve Buscemi yeah (laughs) stands whitely cool yeah great recommendations from Justin Joel and and great film Tim thank you thank you Uh, so with that this is this is our first full cycle of four people that we're through meaning next is Zeke for the first time properly Mm -hmm. you know instead of a, a guest appearance Zeke what will you be ruining us for your episode? Well, I feel bad now because uh, both you and Joel are basing your next ones off of this one, and I'm just <laughs> no, going to no. do what I want. So yeah. uh, I can't be on a podcast where two people fully haven't seen Rocky <laughs> you know, all the way through. Uh, so, so it's it's going to be Rocky. I just uh, uh, yeah, awesome, <laughs> nice, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm very excited. Yeah, the converse because the bruised and battered face that launched a thousand films <laughs> <laughs> this is this is gonna be like there have definitely been like 15 conversations between us in the past Tim and Scott where 
I say the phrase, have you seen Rocky? And the conversation fucking ends because you haven't. I'm ready to go into this tirade and talk about it. It's like, so this is, I, as much in the spirit of my wanting you guys to see it too, like I'm so excited to have that conversation. Like, it's, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, until then, viewer, uh, viewers, gosh, what am I thinking here? It's been a long night. Until, until then, listeners, thank you for joining us. We hope we'll be back next time. Uh, next time, without so many technical difficulties. <laughs> You're so good. Thank and, you, friends. Good night. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, it's a December episode, isn't it? It is. Yes, <laughs> really <laughs> biblical. That's why I did it! Perfect. <laughs> oh, too good. Alright. Good night, everybody. Bye. 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 Hey, listeners. We appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes if you'd like to check us out there. I'd be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review, or anything else. You can reach us all through our official Nerds That Geek emails, which you can find on the bio page at nerdsthatgeek.com. If you want to find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at scott underscore w underscore murray, or on Twitter at scottmntg. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at joelt18. And I'm on Twitter at nerdsthatzeke. And on Instagram, I'm thetimgerard. And on Twitter, I'm at timgerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more. Thank <laughs> you.